All right, Ethan, that was awesome, man. Lead the charge again. We got to do that one more time. Follow Ethan on one, two, three. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. That is awesome, man. You fired me up. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, What we're talking about is we're going through a time where we're talking about the Ten Commandments and the Upside Down Kingdom. And so one of the things that I want us to, um, to do is not forget some of the some of the foundational things that we've talked about leading up to this, because we've been talking about our heavenly citizenship. And what does that mean? And what is it that Christ has accomplished and is wanting to accomplish on our behalf? And so this morning, I want to read Philippians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21 in the New King James as we get started, because I want to remind you of some of the things that we've talked about. Therefore, let us, and I want you to notice this, as many as are mature. Now, I want to I stop right there, and I want to mention to you that as a church family, we are always going to have people at different levels of faith and belief in our midst. And understand something, that that's what makes us a healthy church family. So we should always have people that are hanging out with us that are not really sure about this whole Jesus thing. That they're questioning. They're trying to figure things out. They're trying to find out whether what we believe is genuinely real, whether what we believe is is validated by the way that we're living our lives and the steps of faith that we're taking. So we're always going to have people in our midst, or we should have people in our midst, that are they haven't made that decision yet. And then we're going to have people in our midst that have just made a decision to trust Christ, to believe in Him, to give their lives to Him, and what what the Scripture calls in in John, being born again, being born of the Spirit. And so those are like the baby Christians. You know, you remember that? Remember those days when you're just like, ah! And you know how it is when you, even when we saw the pictures of the children up here, and you saw that new faith, you see that new birth, that it's exciting, it's beautiful. But then the, the whole idea is to move people along to maturity. And I want to say this to you. If there's things that you don't understand about God and his plan for you, don't beat yourself up. It's a process of maturing. And I want to tell you, I want to remind you, if you've not heard anybody say this, I'm saying this to you in love from the scripture, that there's certain things about God and his plan that you will not understand until you reach a certain level of maturity. That's the process of growing and maturing. There's things in my life I've prayed about it, I've looked at it, I didn't understand. Ten years later, it's one of those, you're reading the scripture and you go, oh, I get it now. That's called maturity. And I want you to focus on this. It says, as many as are mature have this mind. There is a certain mindset, a mature mindset, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Let me just say something to you. As you pursue Christ, He will meet you where you are even if you don't believe things properly. If you are seeking him and yielding yourself to him, he will adjust your perspective and your belief. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for an pattern for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Now these next few verses we can break these down. This is another whole study but I hope you pay attention to them and allow the spirit of God to reveal things to you. They are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, 
and whose glory is in their shame, they set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wait for the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I just want to throw this out real quick for those of you that would maybe take the time. There's a couple of uh, documentary videos that I've recommended to some of you and that I've watched and I think will be really helpful because one of the things that for some of you, you need to be thinking prophetically. You need to be thinking futuristically. You need to be thinking the return of our Lord. So there's a video uh, documentary called Before the Wrath and it's super great. It's worth the time. I love it. Um, just continue to reference. It's really, really good. There's other people that watch it. You can ask around. And then there's a second one, um, The Coming Convergence. And so both of these, what I really love about the presentation here is the focus is to get people to be looking for the return of our Lord. It's not one of these, you know, discussing, fighting about pre, mid, post, trip, you know, uh, whatever Whatever you're trying to camp, it's about the reality of what Scripture says that we need to be aware and we need to be looking for his return, just like what it says here in the Scripture that we just read. And let me just say this to you. If you've never said out loud within yourself, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Just to utter those words, there's an evaluation, there's a purifying process to simply say out loud and to think in those terms. That's just a side note. What I want to talk to you about this morning is the glorious preparation and training process. Training and preparation are a glorious component of our heavenly citizenship. Our goal as a church, our goal as a church, this church is here to proclaim the gospel of our Lord God and live it out. This is an all-encompassing endeavor of making disciples or making heavenly citizens. Spiritual birth and formation, growth, maturity, and engagement for the purpose of spiritual growth, formation, growth, growth maturity, engagement for the purpose of, do you get the cycle here? And so on and so on for generations until our Lord God returns. In other words, what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be helping. It's not just a couple of people that are supposed to be in the process of trying to help people come in to their understanding of heavenly citizenship. The scripture teaches that it's all of us that are supposed to participate in pursuing this so that generationally we pass on the faith. Our kids believe because they've seen it lived out in our lives. They are challenged to walk in this faith because they know that it's real and genuine with us. My goal, just so you understand, my goal is to make disciples. My goal is to make disciples of you. Helping you grow up and mature in Christ, that's my mission as a spiritual leader here at MVC. And I'm old enough now that some of you, the scripture says that some of you are saved out of fear. You respond well to judgment, fire and brimstone, that gets your attention. Some of you, you don't respond to that. You respond to love and nurturing and care. Sometimes I make mistakes. And I'm like, ah, and you're like, oh, Pastor Tim. And I'm like, okay, sorry. You get what I'm saying? And guess what? I'm going to make mistakes again. But the goal, my heart is, 
I want to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see you mature. I want to see you change. I want to see you different, not because of me, but because of the glory of our great God and what he wants to accomplish in your life. Preparation and training are the process for us beginning to understand our heavenly citizenship, to walk in it, and to show people the way of our Lord's kingdom. All of us are supposed to be showing other people the vibrancy and the reality of our Lord's kingdom when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done right now today the way that we be done in heaven. You say, Pastor Tim, what does that look like? I don't know, but I'm getting a glimpse of it, and I like it. Are you with me? Okay. As we mature in our understanding, make note, and please hear me, because there's some of you that you're in between right now. As we mature in our understanding, we will not fit into this world system of belief and function. Some of you, and I just want to encourage it, because I know that there's a couple of you, there's somebody here this morning that you're in, you're in that in-between, and you could, you could relate to maybe the wilderness experience right now, because where you are is that you have embraced Christ, and I don't know how long it's been, but you are now making steps, you're doing something, you're engaging in a different way, and you're trying to mature in Christ. So now all of a sudden those relationships where you used to fit in and everything was cool and you used to hang out, you used to go hang out with these people and do all these different things, now it's not doing it for you as much anymore. And you have this desire to connect with our church family on a deeper level and you have, you have these things that are going on inside, but you're kind of in between and you don't know and it's, it's like that awkward, what do I do with this? Just be encouraged. If you're like that here this morning, you're normal, you're natural, you're growing, you're changing, you're maturing, hallelujah, that you're in that miserable stage. No, think about it. There's volumes of books written on middle school and high school. You feeling what I'm saying? It's a good thing. And I want to encourage you to press through this, and I hope that our Lord's example will be an encouragement to you this morning. Last, last lesson, we talked about the basis of morality. We're looking at the Old Testament. We're looking at the Ten Commandments. We're going to be looking, we're going to be spending months going through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 because some of you, you may think that the Beatitudes, that little section of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, is a Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is actually recorded in three different chapters, 5, 6, and 7. So we're going to be going through that. We're going to be referencing the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at things. But I just want to make note of something, that where we are in America right now is it a different state? And so we have to prepare and train more so than ever before because what our Lord, what I'm gonna point out a couple things about our Lord Jesus is that where our Lord was is different than where we are. And what I mean by that is back in uh, 2017, so it was four years ago, there was a Gallup poll that basically confirmed that most Americans now dismiss the Ten Commandments. And it was in their annual values and beliefs poll. So this is four years ago, where the average American, by their choices and what they believe, that they basically dismiss the Ten Commandments. That's not the context of where our Lord is coming from in this. Let's read Matthew chapter 4 together. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 1. I want you just to see this. Oh my goodness, this is so, man, I love this. There's like tons of stuff in here. But let's read verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay, let me ask you this. Any other human being that you remember facing the devil one-on-one? -on -one? Human to devil? 
Me neither. Good answer. <laughs> Some of you are like, I can't think of anything. Me neither. The only thing I can think of is Adam and Eve, and that was a little bit different, a little bit different setting. Okay, so let's keep reading. To be tempted by the devil, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. I love what the scripture says after, afterward he was hungry. Really? Really? Some of you get hangry after two hours. Feed him or her. Our lives will be better. 40 days and 40 nights. Look at this. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Hmm. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So I want to point out a couple things. If you've never thought about this, I hope that I can spurn your thinking a little bit this morning. There's a divine order of, in, in the preparation and training of how Yeshua was to do the will of his Father in heaven. I want you to think about this. Jesus studied, and Jesus knew the law. Not just what we call the Ten Commandments, but all of it. Jesus knew the ceremonial laws. He knew the civil laws. He knew the judicial laws, the moral laws, the ethical laws, and the political components and its effects of the law. He was familiar with every single aspect of the entirety of the codes and standards and the laws of his Father God. Think about this. Jesus was skilled in his understanding. He had committed himself. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus had committed himself to proper preparation and training. We cannot overlook the reality that Jesus from a young age was studying the Old Testament scriptures, was taking the book of the law, was digesting it. He had committed himself to learning and understanding what was going on. Now some of you You've studied the scriptures and you kind of give Jesus a get-out-of-jail-free card. He was the son of God. Like at 12 years old. Ooh, like this spot transfers. And he got it. Now, if you study the scriptures, he studied the scriptures. He prepared and he trained to understand. He gave himself. I want you to think about this. Probably before we're, as we're looking at this, probably 28 to 30. How many 28 to 30 year olds do we have in here? Raise your hand. How many don't want to raise your hand in your 28 to 30? That's what I'm saying. Okay, that's good. Thank you. I love that honesty, man. That's good back there. So think about where you are. And the reason I'm trying to pick you out is I want you to just think about Jesus had trained and prepared for 28 to 30 years before we read about this temptation in the wilderness and him facing the devil. 
28 to 30 years of preparation. Think about that. This is what I want you to consider. There were specific steps in our Lord's preparation and training. Think about it this way. He came to John. John the Baptist baptized him in water. We believe if you look at what the immersion words are, that Jesus was immersed in the water in the river by John the Baptist. Then, Father God, the Father in heaven, baptized him in the Spirit. Read the stories. Oh, let me give you real quick. For those of you that are writing notes, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Let me give you Mark chapter 1, 12 and 13. Write that down right next to Matthew chapter 11. Mark 1, 12 through 13, and Luke 4, 1 through 2. Sorry, I got a little excited. Went past my references there. Luke 4, 1 and 2. The Father baptized him in the Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit, and if you look at some of the interpretations, vigorously pulled him apart, powerfully pulled him apart, and leads him into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit does that. Now he is alone in the wilderness, and he's not eating physical food for a period of 40 days. Satan's approach to our Lord was very similar to how he challenged Adam and Eve, how he tempted the children of Israel in the wilderness, and how he tempts you and I all the time. Maybe not the devil personally, but his workers, his minions, the forces of evil, they tempt in the same way. I want you to consider the devil's presentation to us. Please hear me when I say this. A thought, a voice, a presentation. God is holding out on you. And can I tell you something? Most of us in this room have experienced that thought, that presentation, God is holding out on you. Psst, don't trust him. Don't trust him. Usually, followed by, in some shape, form, or fashion, man, that sounds too good, don't and don't doubt his love. Doubt the love of God. And then what is Satan's presentation? He makes it seem like Satan gives freely and openly. He gives and he shares freely. Satan presents himself and he says to you, and listen to our society right now, trust your desires. Your desires are your truth. Trust your desires. Somewhere in there, there'll be a strong presentation of love yourself. You can't do anything until you love yourself first. Did you, you see how they're in stark contrast to one another? Listen to, the, listen to these statements. Come on. You're only human after all. After all, come on, you're only human. See, feel, and believe. Remember, seeing is believing. Do any of these things sound familiar to your own personal struggle? Can you relate to the temptation process? Can you relate to the wilderness experience of testing? Things get flushed out in the wilderness. Please hear me when I say this. Trials, testing, and temptations actually reveal character first. Then the experiences can be used to develop character 
after the flaws have been revealed. We've gone through a lot of things in our society, and what's happened is the way that we respond to those, those trials, those testings, those wilderness experiences, those temptations are actually revealing our character, but the character has to be revealed for us to meet with God and allow God to change those flaws and then for us to actually have his character built up in us. Jesus was prepared. Our Lord Jesus gave us a pattern, an example for us in life and death and the resurrection. Oh my goodness, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your glorious example to us of how to be prepared and how to train and how to face the devil, how to face temptation and to take victory. Jesus Christ was physically depleted. 40 days without physical nourishment. No food for 40 days. He was fasting for a purpose. He was fasting because he had an assignment. He was fasting because he had a mission from the Father. It wasn't fasting because of the things that we make it out to be. He was fasting because this was his desire. He was being obedient. He was pursuing the presence of God in a different way. Let me just give you a consideration. Fasting, self-discipline, and sacrifice. Versus our current culture of indulgence. Unrestrained and self-indulgent. When are we usually the most susceptible to the allurements of our flesh and the temptations in our lives? It's when we are tired, hungry, exhausted, and or weak. These physical states make us vulnerable. But vulnerable to what, you may ask? Hmm, thanks for asking. My answer is vulnerable to compromise. You may say, what do you mean by that, Tim? Compromising who God wants us to be and who we long to be. It's during those times of testing. It's during those times when we're exhausted, when we're run down, when we're tired, that we become vulnerable to those temptations, those testings, compromising God's plan of excellence for our lives. Some of you this week, I'm not throwing stones. I understand. Some of you this week, nobody knows, but you compromised what you know that God wants you to do because God has set you on a path for excellence and you at a weak moment, at a time of exhaustion, you compromised God's excellent plan for you. Compromising God's glorious plan of citizenship for us. Can you imagine if this church family, if the both services and the people that are watching right now, can you imagine what it would be like if we were committed vigorously, violently, as Pastor Chris read earlier, to us pursuing our heavenly citizenship and living in that and trying to proclaim to other people and show them that this kingdom that we're living in and that we're pursuing, it is worth your investment and your involvement by faith. Can you imagine what would happen if we stopped compromising how we're supposed to be living? <sighs> compromising God's amazing blessings in our lives. God is not trying to hold out on any one of us. As we're going to see as we look at the moral and ethical, the Ten Commandments, and we look at this, this new um, proclamation that Jesus made in Matthew 5, 6, 7, what we're going to find is God puts guardrails up for us because he knows we need them. And because he's trying to give blessings and abundant blessings. 
And some of you, you're conflicted because you make choices that you know are degrading and terrible to you, and then somehow at the same time, you expect God to bless your ungodly decision-making. He doesn't work like that. Compromising God's glorious, beautiful presence in a wilderness world. I don't know about, but there's some of you, you understand what I'm saying. It's not a gross sin that I commit. But when I do anything that makes me feel like that I have just compromised the comfort and the joy and the presence of our living God in my life, it affects me deeply. Because what he means to me at this point in my life and what he does for me, I don't want to compromise that. I don't want to compromise that. We need to look at Jesus in his life to realize that we do not have to make a choice to go against God's plan for a moral and ethical existence. We don't have to make that choice. We can learn to stand up to the temptations and testings through the glorious words of God. The holy word of God is powerful in strength and vitality, but we must learn to prepare and be trained in it. Forty days. He had a body type and form like us, and he was without food for 40 days. Now, just a side note, 40 is important. If you, if you just think, maybe some of you, 40 is coming to your mind. There's different 40s, 40 in the wilderness, um, 40 days after Jesus. I mean, go look, at, go look at that. It's a cool study. 40 matters. But let me give you a comparison of what 40 days would mean. The month of April, the month coming up that we're going to celebrate Easter, the whole month of April, plus 10 days, 10 days into May, that's how long he went without food. Now, I want you to get that picture because I just want to share some of my perspective. And I'm just saying that this is what, what I am sensing as I've studied and as I'm believing. And I'll just mention that Jesus said to Nathaniel in John chapter 1, verse 51, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He said that early on when he was talking to Nathaniel about following him. And I don't know. I'm just going to tell you honestly that as I'm learning and growing and studying, I, I'm not sure where Jesus was in his connectivity with the Father because you see that there, was, there were steps that were being taken here and that there was something different about his understanding when the Holy Spirit came upon him. Because remember, he was in human form. So what I want you to just, I want to just peel back and I want you to look at something with me and consider something. And I want you to, some of you this morning, you need to hear this personally. That I am not sure that at this point in Jesus' life, I, I don't know, I'm not confident that he was aware of all the angels that were present. Because he was in human form, he was limited. So what I'm trying to help you understand is that I believe that Jesus, he was alone in the wilderness facing this temptation. He was exhausted 40 days and 40 nights without any kind of physical food. But here's what I want you to see. I believe that as you read the scripture, just like what he said to Nathaniel, Jesus may have felt alone, but he was not. Some of you walked in here this morning and in your life you feel isolated, you feel alone, but I'm telling you based on the authority of the word of God, you are not alone. 
You are not. You may feel by yourself. You may feel strange. You may feel isolated. But you are not strange, weird, set aside. Everybody else is okay, but you're alone and you're weird. That is a lie. That is a lie from the deceiver. Let me give you this picture. In my mind's eye, I believe that what was taking place is that the angels in heaven, and I'm not talking about February, Valentine, angels that we put on all these cards. Oh, isn't it so cute? I'm talking about biblical angels that when they showed up on the scene, boom, and they were warrior angels. And even men that had swords and they were warriors, their typical response was like, hey, pass out, scared to death. I believe that when we look at this wilderness temptation, that Jesus was there, that Jesus was learning things, that he was learning how to trust his father and be obedient. But I see this great throng of these mighty beings that are eternal and these angelic beings that are that they're just hanging out and they're watching what's going on. Because listen to me, from their perspective, you tell me another time in human history when God became flesh and dwelt among men. This was something, this was a new arena that they were watching. And the, the angels in heaven are looking down and they're seeing Jesus. And now Jesus is confronting the fallen angel Lucifer, the devil, Satan, one-on-one, head-to-head. And so they're watching and they're seeing what's going on. And I believe, honestly, that just like what the Scriptures teach, that there are battles, there are violent clashes in heaven. And I believe that there were fallen angels, whatever word you want to use to describe them. And I believe that they are watching as well because there's a standoff that's taking place in the wilderness and Jesus' body is weary, it's tired and it's, and it's beaten up from hunger and I believe that there might have even been some jeering going on like, oh yeah, you think you're with Yahweh? You think this, see how this is going to turn out. He put his son in the flesh. We're going to show you what happens and I believe that there was this, there's this incredible, I don't know that Jesus was aware of their presence because think about it. The very temptation that he used against Jesus was the response or the help of these angelic beings that I believe were watching what was going on. But this is the glorious part for me. I love this. Jesus finally takes power over Satan. He says, get out of here. Get out of here. Please, please hear my heart. This is so gloriously beautiful about the preparation and training. View with me that the second that the devil leaves, I see this throng of angels responding, responding to Jesus' need, and they just scoop in. And they're there almost instantaneously. And they're ministering to him. And I believe that in my soul they brought him a banquet load of food to nourish his body and to enrich him. And there's this glorious response. And whether Jesus knew that they were there, I believe that they were there all the time and they were just waiting for the opportunity to help and respond. Some of you walked in here today and you need to hear from Jesus the Word of God. You need to hear from the Spirit of God. God is waiting to respond to you all you have to do is believe and turn to in the same way. It's a glorious, a glorious picture and a glorious response. We don't have to succumb to temptation. We learn from our trials and our testings and our failures. 
but we don't have to succumb to it. Oh my word, what a glorious sight. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus of Nazareth, Emmanuel, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Glory. But my question to you as I close, how are you going to respond to the truth that I presented to you today? Will you give yourself to the Father by faith because of Jesus? Or are you just going to leave here the staying the same as you are? John the Baptist and Jesus both said, you need to repent, you need to change. There needs to be some transformation, there needs to be some maturity. Are you just going to leave here like you came here, just the same? Or are you going to allow God to touch you? Are you going to allow God to meet with you? Are you going to allow God to do something inside of you? Because what we're all longing for is that touch of God. That breath that says, no, I really do love you. I really am here for you. Yo, I know you do. it doesn't make sense, but I will make sense of it. But why? Don't worry about why. Worry about the how. That's where Jesus comes in. I can't do anything. I've got my hands full with me. Each one of us has to make our own personal decision. And I want to say this to you as I close. God is not holding out on any of us. That was my biggest struggle as a teenager growing up in a very tough church. The devil used that to get inside of my head for years and years and years. If I give in to God, I'm going to lose everything. What a bodacious lie to Tim Duggins. When I gave in to God, that's when I gained everything. Please don't hold back from him. Give yourself to him today. Whether it's the very first time of you yielding and saying, Jesus, I believe in you, changed my life, forgive me. Or whether it's your 20th time or some of you walked in here and you giving yourself to him again might be your 432nd time. I don't care because God doesn't either. He responds to you responding to him. So, Father, with this image of what you've done for your son in the wilderness, I pray in the name of the blood that was shed by his life over this family, over guests that are here, over people that are just simply hearing my voice, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you would help us to train and to prepare to be committed to your word, Father. I ask that you would separate out young men and young women, that you would separate out moms and dads, that they would be involved in this kingdom-building process, Father, that you would add to your church today those that need to be saved, that we would be engaged, Father. We're asking that your spirit would be mighty upon us, but God, we are begging you for an awakening over us in this region. We're asking you to blow our minds, and you're, we're asking you to use flawed people like us to turn this world upside down for your glory. It's because of Jesus. He's the only reason we can ask and believe these things. So with that in mind, let's stand and sing praise to him.